Hey everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Rubero and I will be your host. I'll be interviewing recruiters, hiring managers, and experts to help you land your next job sooner. Just a quick reminder to download your high converting resume template that's been proven to get you more job interviews at resumetemplate.canadianjobsearchacademy.com. And if this episode resonates with you, then remember to subscribe, comment, and share. Thank you and welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Rivera, host, and today we've got a very special guest. Shannon Russo is the CEO and founder of Kinetics LLC. She's got a background as a finance executive for companies that do thousands of hires annually. She rode the corporate wave and had a big expense accounts. After success in corporate America, she opted out to do her own thing. Shannon founded Kinetics in 2004 by combining three companies to form a recruitment process outsourcing firm. She wanted to leverage an integrated service model comprised totally of RPO, staffing, recruiting, HR consulting, and employment branding and recruitment marketing. As CEO, Shannon leads the overall operations and strategic direction of Kinetics. She finds a new she finds new business for the company. She keeps a good relationship with the existing client and drives an overall vision and culture for the Kinetics brand. Well, Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yes. And, and, and for those that are listening, you know, you might be wondering what's a little bit different about this particular podcast and this particular podcast. We've got Shannon, first of all. But secondly, Shannon is a, a U.S. power. Uh, she's in the in the U.S., so different from what we would normally do on this podcast. And I'm excited because I had a quick discovery call with Shannon and we went through a few things. And just the wealth of knowledge that Shannon's going to share with us is going to be amazing. So make sure you have your paper and pen with you because you're going to want to take down some great notes in terms of, you know, what Shannon's going to be sharing with all of you. So Shannon, let's get right into that. So I, I know sure. one of the things that we talked about when we first got into this was what's really different around the job market today. And I'd love to hear your, your thoughts and ideas around that. Yeah, thanks, John. There's really a couple of things. So you know, if you watch the news anywhere, you'll sort of get this <clears throat> very much a woe to me situation. And in certain areas, that is still the case. So 2020 was a rough year. 2021 still for many people is still is still rough. However, there's a huge swath of companies and I'm going to say candidates on the other end of that spectrum that are not being covered. And for those folks, you know, not in the, say, bars and restaurants and certain things that are kind of more frontline that you hear a lot about necessarily. Um, for them, it's sort of the other end of the spectrum and the market is very hot and the market is very competitive. So both of those things, very important. Um, but some of the rules have changed, even though no one decided to tell anyone. And um, some of the frameworks have changed, just like people doing lots of things via video, whereas Two years ago, you know, we used to struggle to get our hiring leaders to do interviews via video. Now that seems to be all the rage, of course, right? So oh. just all of those things. So there's significant um, number of changes. A um, couple of quick ones on a company side is they are overwhelmed because of this sort of flip back, right? It's like that everything turned off for some period of time and it literally turned back on. There was no like turn up the volume slowly, literally click all the way to 100%. And that's part of where I think lots of people are struggling with that success. Yeah, no, no, definitely. So you talked about the market being hot and, and, you know, just kind of speaking with some of the people that I've been talking to, 
they've been struggling, or at least it seems like they've been struggling. Maybe they're not doing the right things. So if there are particular, what particular sectors, I know you're working out of the US, but I think it's applicable to what's happening in Canada as well, because we're a big service industry here as well. Um, what are the industries that are hot right now? Yeah. So currently, um, if you're anywhere in the mortgage space, and I'm sure that is the same in both places, um, any of the skills surrounding that, very hot. If you are in healthcare, particularly nursing, and I don't want to say respiratory, but I'll say it because respiratory as well, but I would say across the healthcare spectrum with a concentration on the nursing and, and the respiratory for obvious reasons, significant heat. I would also tell you that you know, folks don't realize this, but the healthcare industry, certainly in the United States, and my guess is also in Canada, really suffer through 2020. And people don't think of it that way because they're like, they must have been super busy, but that's not actually the case. Mm -hmm. um, because um, certainly in the US and I think in Canada, they shut down what they call elective surgeries. And what most of folks may not know is for most hospitals, that's something like 70% of their revenue, which is surgeries that you are not going to die if you don't get it today. So a knee, a shoulder, there's all kinds of surgeries, even um, like a hysterectomy, the weight, they were gonna make you wait. And so that significantly hurt the healthcare industry at a time when there was components of it that they really needed to double down. So you kind of had this really um, push-pull happening. So I think they're probably suffering more than average. Um, so in addition to healthcare um, technology, that's not gonna be a surprise to anyone. I think that was strong numerically, but now I'd say it's even more strong. And then the last, um, again, not surprisingly sales because people are trying to turn things back on. So those would be the key <laughs> skill sets, right? Yeah, no, fair enough. And, you know, just kind of thinking about it, one thing that I noticed last year is, you know, things shut down and, and companies just stopped selling stuff or they stopped marketing, which I think Stopping is the everything. opposite. Of, yeah. It's the opposite of what you should be doing. So it's kind of neat to kind of hear which sectors are taking off. And, and it's, I'm, I'm going to go on the assumption that it's very close to what's happening here in Canada as well. Um, maybe in the healthcare sector, it's a little bit different because it's, we've got like a global healthcare system, but yeah, no, I can imagine, you know, things just being put on pause and now things are taking off. So, as an organization, you know, one of the things you mentioned was organizations are struggling to get people into these seats. What, what are some of the challenges that you see organizations are going through with some of the candidates that they're trying to bring in? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so one of the things they're struggling with is their old processes, in some cases, no longer work, first of all. So I'm just going to make that statement. But the second part is where we're seeing organizations have a significant challenge is especially in the hotter um, skill sets, they are not moving fast enough. They are not moving fast enough. And so what I mean by that is some of these organizations historically were used to taking a significantly long period of time, 90, 120 days to hire people. I know that might sound crazy, but that's literally how long some of these people take. And a long time between offer and start date. And so if you're somebody that's out of work and it takes them a month, between when they offer you a job and when you're actually going to start to get personal revenue, that's a long time. And so many organizations are losing candidates in that time frame when you would have thought like they have, you have a job. But the problem is if you're an individual, you're not getting paid until you start. Mm -hmm. And so for them, it's kind of like, okay, check, hired Susie. The problem is that onboarding process being so stretched out 
is, is a substantial problem right now when you're getting people who are coming out of not being working for some period of time, if that makes sense. And so that's that's a big area of focus for us to try to help clients, you know, really make that change. But it's also important for candidates to understand that these companies weren't paying attention to that need. They don't really think about it the way that a, that a candidate would think about it in terms of, I have to wait four weeks before you start paying me. That's not awesome, right? I'm still sitting around like I have a job, but I'm waiting. <laughs> and, and so that's probably the biggest area where I see it. But I'll say the, the recruitment process in general, not moving fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we, and so is that something, and so what I'm here, I just want to play it back for everybody who's listening, you know, 90 to 120 days is three to four months of being out of, you know, just the recruitment cycle in terms of how long organizations are, are taking to bring these people in. So is this something to be aware of as you're going through the interview process? So even though you might've interviewed in March, you might not actually be in a seat until like June. So something to think about as you're, as you're going through this. So if that's the case, and, and actually, you know, you might actually be a week or two or a month in, depending on how an organization has their pay structure, uh, you might be out even longer because now you're waiting for your first pay to come in. You have to work for the organization for two weeks and just the whole, like, it's just this giant snowball that kind of just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and making it worse and worse and worse for candidates. So what are you seeing is happening with the candidates themselves as they're going through this? Yeah, so what we have seen is a significant increase of candidates um, either turning down a job at the end because they took another job with somebody who moved faster, right? So you have that situation or they start and then take another job. So they'll start and then basically quit less than a weekend because of that. Mm. So, so you're having what we would call fall off, right? From a company side, it's fall off in these candidates after you think you're over the finish line, right? because you offered and accepted a job. But so that's probably the, the biggest piece is um, a lot of dysfunction in that kind of finish line area on, on both sides, um, right? So candidates, because they might have long processes with multiple companies that they're trying to get a job with, the company they really want comes in later than this other company, right? And so they might change their mind at the end, right? Um, and I don't think that's unfair. It's a, it's a challenge from a candidate standpoint. We really should be relatively transparent. I know that's a hard line, um, but that, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge that I see right now is sort of this dysfunction around that um, process. And, and I get why and we would coach a candidate, right? Lots of irons in the fire, right? Because you don't know which one's going to get to the finish line. So I, I'm not against it. I'm just saying that that's sort of what we see happening, probably the biggest thing that we see happening um, with folks. And, and then one more comment, because if I'm a candidate, I'm like, why are they taking so long? If they need these people, what, you know, why are they being so slow? One of the things that I find that candidates forget is for the people that are hiring you, other than the recruitment function, the talent acquisition function, they actually have a regular job. And hiring you is not their regular job. And people tend to forget that they're not the one paying for the service, right? So they're like, these recruiters are ignoring me. Well, unfortunately, you're not paying the recruiter and the person, the company that's paying the recruiter says, I want you to find me the right people. And if you aren't the right person, mm -hmm. they might not pay attention to you. And so it can be very frustrating and disheartening for candidates since they don't 
they don't always understand. Um, we had a uh, Netflix did a uh, uh, documentary, and it was really about uh, social media. But one of the things they said that I think was really impactful and it's and it's relevant here is if you are not paying for the product, you are the product. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I saw that. Um, I, I saw that on Netflix and it's actually a great, I'll make sure if I can find the link, I'll share it with everybody. Cause I think it's, it's a great, um, it definitely breaks down in terms of, you know, social media, uh, in terms of what's actually happening there. But, you know, the one thing that you mentioned that I want to explore a little bit is, you know, paying attention. So, um, you know, you're right. You know, the recruiter is not working for the candidate. The recruiter is working for the organization that's trying to bring the candidate in. So how does a candidate, and this is, you know, just from a candidate's perspective, what do they need to do to stand out a little bit in today's market? Because now, you know, there's, there's, there, there's got to be hundreds of people all applying for the same type of role, because I know that's happening because people are out of yeah. jobs and, you know, that's people right. in the service sector are kind of, you know, moved off and they're trying to move into to new roles. What would you recommend, you know, being on the other side of it, you know, as, as somebody who brings in the recruitment and the acquisition piece, what do you recommend the candidates to do to stand out in today's market? Because today is different, right? Truly, truly. And I, I think there's a couple things they can do. Um, much to some folks' chagrin, I would tell them that they must be on LinkedIn and they should use LinkedIn in maybe a more strategic way, because just like you said, <clears throat> The, when you're out of a job, your job is to get a job. Mm -hmm. And so you should treat it as such and you should spend that amount of time. But when you are spending the amount of time, I often hear candidates say, I applied to 50 jobs. And I'm like, wow, 50 clicks. I'm not sure that's the work you needed to do. Right. So if you think about it differently, the ability for everyone to go click, 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 apply, 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 apply. That's not the work. That's like almost the, the end of the work, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and so leveraging something like LinkedIn, you can leverage your network to figure out who you know at that company and get yourself above the fray because you and 10,000 other people are doing that same ding, 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 click, 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 <laughs> all the way up. And so the, it's a race. You don't want to be in that kind of a race. And so if you can use your personal network to leverage and get to a hiring leader or literally just a leader in the company through your network, and say, hey, I'm interested in this job, um, you have a significantly better chance of getting that referral. And, and literally today, most people will help other people. Mm -hmm. um, and so the second lesson, so use LinkedIn, but the second lesson is make it easy for the person you're asking for a favor. Mm. Right? So often, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's explore that a little bit. So make it easy. So what does that look like? What does it make it easy look like for because I know people are thinking, well, you know, I reach out, I'm looking for work, I'm anxious. I'm, yeah. You know, in, in some cases, candidates are desperate, right? Like they're, yeah. they're just trying I'll take anything, I'll, you know, whatever. So what is making it easy look like? I'd love yeah. to hear your perspective on that, Shannon. Uh, it's a great question. And, and it's hard. And I get it. But but I can't underscore that enough. So if you're asking um, a relationship for a referral to a job inside the company they work at, because just saying, Hey, I'm really interested in work. I know you guys have jobs. Horrible way, horrible <laughs> way. Here's why the company might have 200 jobs open. You want me, remember I have a job. You want me to figure out which job is good for you. Mm. And so give me the job 
the rec number, right? If there's on the job board, like it's this job, this job title, it's got this rec number. That's what I mean by make it easy for them to connect the dots. So then they'll know mm. who to give it to, um, who to do that. Just like if you, you know, you meet a friend in Starbucks, people are doing that now, which is great. Um, and you see them and you're like, well, hey, I'm out of work. They want to help you, but but you you got to figure out a way to help them help you because mm. if I don't personally have a job, I can't help you. So just like from a sales standpoint, we typically teach people to do an elevator speech and to understand like what's your top three things. You should have that ready when you're in Starbucks and you see a friend. X Y Z, right? Here's here's the kinds of things so you can give them a perspective. You can't say like, oh, I'm out of work. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How can I help you? And they're like, well, you know, who's hiring? Like, <laughs> I don't know, right? So whatever a, a candidate can do, they, they just need to understand it's a sales process and they need to do probably the heavier lifting, make it as easy as possible. One of the reasons that I would say folks to use LinkedIn um, and they can put it uh, they can customize their URL on LinkedIn, right? Because mm -hmm. if you don't, it's a bunch of gobbledygook. But if you customize it, then I could be with you, John, and I could say, hey, my LinkedIn is Shannon W. Russo, like LinkedIn forward slash Shannon W. Russo. Pretty easy for you to remember and me to tell you versus yeah. 8634, right? Shannon 8634, <laughs> like, right? Much harder. And so, again, those little things to make it easier for someone to connect the dots for you. And if you're looking for a job, put your resume on LinkedIn. Mm. You're looking, right? They now even have a moniker that says open to work, which you can see when you're searching folks. So there's a couple things that LinkedIn is doing to make it easier um, for folks. And so going that extra mile to get connected outside of the click process that the janitor can do for the PhD role. <laughs> okay. Just, just to be fair, right? So that's mm -hmm. the problem. If you're on the other side and you're in HR, you're getting thousands of clicks and you have to weed through. And that's why it becomes a race, which is terrible. It's sort of terrible in both ways. Okay. Because they're right. having to weed through to find the right candidate. And that's fair. So, you know, one of the things I have been hearing from people who are in the acquisition business is, you know, even though they have a, you know, a ton of, a pile of resumes, virtual digital resumes in front of them, they're still going out to LinkedIn. So how much of that is actually happening? How much scouting, I'm going to call it scouting for, for lack of a better word, but how much scouting does an organization like yours do in order to find the right candidates for the roles? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it depends on the role. Mm -hmm. But um, so in, in terms of the kind of role, it's a mixed bag. But we, we do both for almost every single um, hire. And the more niche the role, the more we go after folks. The more nuanced so, the role, if that, that makes sense. So if it's mm -hmm. a generic customer service, we have a lot of people already in our database. We can put out something that's more generic. But if it's a photovoltaic engineer, <laughs> it's a little narrower, right? So then we're going to go searching as, as well. And so we're going to go to LinkedIn. So on their LinkedIn, yes, they can do things like, you know, if you don't have a hundred connections, that's likely problematic because it makes you hard to find. Okay. Right. So for each direct connection, round numbers, you you leverage on the average ten thousand third. So think about how much you can open your network by connecting with people that you already know. 
So from every connection, you're connected to approximately 10,000 other people. It depends on their networks, but that's an yeah. average. I, I did and looked through to do a bunch of averages to see what it looked like. Round numbers, 10,000. Big. Wow. Big leverage. Wow. Yeah. And, and then I even heard the statistic where, you know, they used to say seven degrees of, you know, Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of separation. Yeah. Uh, but now with social, it's more like two and a half to three degrees of separation. Three. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really changes, you know, that means I'm only, you know, three degrees of separation from Will Smith or, you know, Prince Harry or whoever, right? It's or kinda... the leader that at the company for the department you want to work in. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. CEOs and, and you know, so the question is, and, and this is one of the things I get from a lot of my candidates, because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, you know, we're in 107 countries. So we're around the world in terms of who's actually listening to this. And the question is, in certain places in and around the world, you know, it's not appropriate to connect with executives inside of organizations. It's just not something that they do. It's not culturally accepted. Correct. But what do you say to that in, in the North American market? Because that's the market that we're focusing <clears throat> on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so what I would say is <clears throat> when I say leverage your relationships, I, I want you to connect to everyone that you know mm -hmm. and then leverage those what, what LinkedIn would call a second. So let's say you and I are connected, John. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna email you and say, hey John, I really like this CEO job at Kinetics. I'd really love to get connected. You're connected to that person. Would you mind passing on my resume? It's this job, it's this thing. I would so appreciate it. You're not giving me a recommendation, but you kind of are, right? And most people, when you make it that simple for them, right? They're not mm -hmm. having to hunt. You're like, I'd like you to send it to this person. It's this job. Here's my resume, <laughs> right? And they might even do their little cover email in there. Like, here's, here's why I think I'm good for the job. You, it makes it very easy for you to be like, sure, click. <laughs> You're to the person that you know. So instead of connecting to that person, they're leveraging their personal relationship with you, John. Okay. To get there. If that so that's so expand your network so that your personal relationships connect you to people that you want to get to. Yeah. And that's connecting directly. Yeah. And that's fair. Cause one of the features that I have seen within LinkedIn recently is it has a referral mechanism where if somebody in your network knows somebody in an organization that you're interested in applying to, it'll give you that. But the one thing, you know, the one thing I'm going to caution people to, and, and maybe you agree, but don't go to people that are, are considered cold contacts, people that you don't know very well, people that you don't have relationships with. Build a relationship first, you know, two or three contacts ahead of time before you go in and ask for a recommendation or referral, right? Without question, and I, I didn't, I wasn't super aggressive about it, but I said connect to people you know, mm. and I meant it, because if it's someone that you have a very cold relationship with, just like you said, it's not really fair to them, and you're sort of asking out of turn, if you will, right? Yeah. So often in, you know, pre-COVID, I would tell people to have coffee, buy a cup of coffee for the, the person in your network that you're trying to get closer to. A little harder now, right? starting yeah. to open up, but it's a little harder now. And so, yes, leverage your personal relationships, make it, help them, and then they will say, what can I do for you, right? So what, what can you do for them? Um, yeah. So that's one other thing a candidate could do. Um, even when they talk to uh, recruiters, they get frustrated by that, but try to keep yourself top of mind without being annoying, <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> um, and, and so part of that might be like something you talked about and share an article. Hey, I thought of you, I should, right? 
a little bit more work for you, but you're you're staying in touch in a way that lets them know you're thinking about them and it's not all about you. Yeah. No, and that's fair. And and I like that because, you know, one of the, and I get it, right? Like when you have that sense of desperation and you're just anxious to to connect with anybody and everybody, yes. it, it doesn't build, you know, those deep relationships. Trust. And right. yeah, th- yeah, you're right. It doesn't build trust. And if you don't have trust, you know, it's it's like walking up to a stranger on the street and saying, hey, can you give me a thousand dollars? And it's like, why would I do that? <laughs> right, right. And, right. and I do think today people do want to help each other more than ever before. So mm-hmm. I think that's going for them, but you shouldn't abuse those relationships or connections. And, and you should as a candidate, always try to, because everyone, right? I have my network, you have your network. I'm asking to leverage your network, but but who can I get you in touch with that can help you? Because everybody knows, yeah. everybody knows somebody, right? So what can I as a candidate do to help you? If that makes sense. Nice. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And and then and, and I like how you said that. And I hope that all the people that are listening to this that are currently going through the process, if you're not a leader inside of an organization, build those relationships and build them out in advance, right? Don't wait for the point when you need them, build them before you even need them. Um, you know, I even had a conversation with somebody I've been working with and they recently got into a role and they did all the work that you mentioned on LinkedIn. They, they built the relationships on LinkedIn. And now that they're in a role, people are still reaching out to them for other roles. So it, it kind of prepares them for what might come next. And at least they have a breadth of connections that they can go back to and say, hey, you know what? I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to look for something else, right? Yes. So that second piece, you didn't say it, but the second piece of coaching that you're mentioning is do not drop those relationships once you get a role because you might need them later and so do not right it's a two-way street and if you make it all one way shame on you a little bit (laughs) right shame on you a little bit and so keep those going I know it might be stressful when you just got a job and you're busy but it's 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 as important to your future as it is to whoever those other people are that are reaching out to you for you to be courteous and reciprocate and do those kinds of things. And it, you'll be able to leverage it later. Too often I find people that are like, they, well, I haven't been working my network for the last however many years. And so, you know, they get coached up that they need to do it and that's awesome. And then yeah. they drop it like a wet fish as soon as they get a job. <laughs> and then right X years later, they're like, here I am again. <laughs> okay. Do you understand there's a pattern yeah. here? I, I tell people that I, I'm not looking for a job last time I checked, but I'm on LinkedIn almost every day. Oh, wow. Almost every day, because there's so it's such a huge database today, global database, really, mm-hmm. um, that you can use it to before I'm going to meet with a supplier or a vendor, right, or a client. I'm I'm doing research there, and so I'm do I'm on there, um, not just when I need a job. It's not just a job search, right? Yeah. No, I no, no, absolutely. And, you know, just to kind of build on what you said, you know, the, leveraging it to do research and just to understand people a little bit better prepares you for that initial conversation with them. It doesn't become so awkward. It doesn't become like, oh, man, who are you? I don't know anything about you. Oh, yeah, I know this about you. You you know, the work that you've done, you know, Shannon, I, research, I researched you as well when, you know, before this call, just to learn a little bit more about you in terms of what you do and how you serve the community at large and how you give back to organizations and to candidates as well. So, you know, this is something that you constantly need to do if you want to be in a place where you're considered secure. 
right? So, you know, and it's not just for today, it's also for tomorrow. So there is one question I, I've been meaning to ask, and it's regarding leaders. So leaders that are bringing candidates into organizations, is there anything, you know, as we start to wrap up this conversation, is there anything that they need to do differently to keep and retain those individuals inside of organizations? So many things. <laughs> There's so many I know we'll things. have to bring it. We'll have to create a whole other podcast just for that question. There's but so I, just like a snippet, I'd love to hear that because I know on the flip side of it, organizations today are also struggling to maintain and keep candidates. Right. And, you know, you're no longer in a role for years anymore. You might be in a role for, you know, if it's a contract, a year or two. I think, you know, from what I'm understanding, companies are putting restrictions in terms of how long contracts can last now. So, you know, so what can leaders do to make sure that they retain that talent and keep them internally? Because I know that's what's going to be successful for the organization, but it's also going to be successful for the candidate. Yeah, yeah. So first, I'm going to say in the process, right, we, I would coach leaders to try to remember that, especially if you're recruiting in a hot market, that the, um, that everything is moving faster now. Everything Mm -hmm. is moving faster now. And so you, need to move faster. And I know this isn't your main job, this bringing the candidate on, but you need to remember that it is an important part of your job because you're kind of cultivating a new member of your team and treat it that way. And so whatever a leader could do while they're onboarding someone after the offer accept to sort of pre-bring them in, huge win for the candidate and um, from, from a connection standpoint for the leader. And then Um, After they start, you know, one of the things that is different is we're not having as many hallway conversations. So really both parties, but from a leader standpoint, they have to be more intentional about their communication. Mm. They have to be more intentional about being as transparent as they can be about whatever is going on because they don't have the getting a cup of tea or coffee time to fix those things. And so they literally have to be more overt about the communication all the way through, all the way through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would recommend with somebody who's starting a new, if you're a leader and you're starting somebody new, that you're doing checkpoints with them. If you could every day, every other day, um, as they're, you know, even once they're on board until you get into that cadence, just making sure they're okay. What, what, you know, what surprises, what questions didn't we get to talk about in our set things, right? So more active checkpoints for you. Hey, Shannon. So I know where we left off. You talked about just being more authentic and genuine with candidates, but there was like, it sounded like there was a word of caution in there as well. So just want, yeah. wanted to kind of touch on that. Yeah. I, I, I would say that um, I feel like folks are more uncertain than ever. And so that extra transparency from leaders and connection, Mm. meaning, right, whether you're touching points with them every day, unrelated to the work, just to make sure you're making up for those hallway conversations that you used to have, and being more um, focused or more um, on top of doing that. That's sort of what my coaching for leaders would be to make sure you're building that relationship early when you don't have as much face-to-face time as you used to. Yeah. Right? Well, it's easy to go zoom to zoom to zoom to zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and, and for sure, like just that connection, right? Just to be able to have, even if it's just on screen, a video connection, yeah. turn on your screen. Like stop just making phone calls, turn on your video, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a 
that's a big one, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, excellent. So, so, so Shannon, as we wrap up, if people wanted to learn a little bit more about you or just to, to get some information in terms of what you do and some of the services that you have, where could they go for that? Yeah, so um, our business, Kinetics, um, is on the web, www.kineticshr.com. So you can find a little bit about me and all of that, um, or LinkedIn. I, I wasn't kidding when I used the moniker, so it's LinkedIn forward slash in Shannon W. Russo. <laughs> Excellent. I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes so they're easily accessible. But Shannon, I just wanted awesome. to say thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing. I, I've got a, a two or three pages of notes. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you took some notes as well. This is from somebody who knows, right? This is somebody who's in the industry, somebody that kind of handles both sides of it as well. So, you know, make sure that you take away some, you know, take away the information that Shannon shared with you and apply it because that's what's going to make you successful. Well, Shannon, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks and, for having uh, and for everybody, thank you for listening in. We wish you a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good one. Ciao. Bye.